Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. I just ate several jalapeno slices consecutively. Pretty spicy. <laughs> oh, good. thank you for the heads up. Would I, would I never guess that much? Uh, episode 228. It's been a while since we've been uh, on the podcast. Glad to be back. For this one, we're not going to be really covering any of the major news in the video game space. Not that there's a whole lot of it. It's mostly having to do with the terrible stuff happening at Activision Blizzard. Um, awful but news. I figured, yeah, awful, yeah, god awful news. Um, I figured we just get back, talk about what we've been playing recently, have that discussion. Maybe also talk about what we're looking forward to in the coming weeks because we're entering the fray of heavy video game release season. So there's plenty of things to look forward to as well. Um, I guess I first want to start off with. A game, the oldest game chronologically that I uh, completed, which was uh, Spiritfarer. Spiritfarer is a game that I talked about, I think, E3 2020 when it was first displayed. This really dope indie game, 2D adventure. Um, It's equal parts relationship builder uh, and equal parts like ship management. So the way the game works is you have this ship that you um, upgrade, you put... Uh, different types of buildings on it so you'll have like a blacksmith station uh, you'll have like gardens you'll have farms all this different stuff that you're managing and all of them produce resources for you that you use to either uh, make stuff in terms of food for your uh, passengers on the vessel or to create other buildings or upgrade your buildings or upgrade your ship and with your ship you not only upgrade the size of it so you can fit more stuff on it both vertically and horizontally you also upgrade the hull, which is the front of the ship dom. So you can upgrade it to get uh, lanterns, which you use to go past this barrier of fog to get to new locations. There's another barrier that's an ice wall, right? So you have to get this like ice breaking thing on your ship. So it's the, the progression in the game is based on you getting more buildings that can create resources for you. So it's kind of self-sustaining. So you don't have to go to all these locations to gather the resources. But it's also being able to get these upgrades for your ship to unlock new areas, which then you find new resources and yada yada. Each character in the game is a spirit. And going into this game, what I thought, Dom, was you see the girl, right? The main character is this girl in this big Mm. green hat. She's a little like cat creature with her. And all the other characters that you're um, ferrying to the afterlife, because that's the whole point of the game. It's called Spirit Ferrer. This golden gate after you build a strong enough relationship with them or you go through their personal story of uh, them coming to terms with their own death i thought it was just that these were anthropomorphic animals each of them with distinct personalities and you'd learn about them and that's the relationship right what you come to find out is stella was an end-of-life caretaker in like real life before she died so all of these other spirits are reflections of people close to her that died Um, So you learn that some of them are people that she met in the hospital. Some of them are people that came and visited her at the end of her life when she got cancer. A lot of different things. And each of these characters, they're very much their own unique personalities. There's like a couple of uh, two lions. They end up finding out that uh, there's infidelity in the relationship. So that's a big core of their thing of like the female lion doesn't want the male lion on your boat because she just is upset with him. And you kind of learn their whole backstory. Um, one of the more heartbreaking ones is, well, actually, first, I'm not, I don't want to spoil this for you. Do you plan on playing this anytime soon, or is it okay if I go a little bit into it? 
I don't know. I mean, I'm going to spoil one character, right? It's one of the first characters you meet. And the way the game works is as you meet characters, you take them to the afterlife and you get new characters, right? So it kind of goes in like a chronological fashion. This one isn't too much of a spoiler because it's like, it's a second spirit you meet. It's this giant toad named Atul, A-T-U-L. And he's the one that kind of upgrades your fishing mechanism on your boat to be able to fish. That's one of the resources you have to gather to cook and stuff. And you end up finding out that this was Stella's uncle. And one of the sad things is that by this time, well, actually, I think he's a third character. You've already shepherded two characters into the afterlife going to the gate. And you're like, okay, he's getting to the end of his life. And the cool thing with them is it's not only you learning about their story, you have to complete kind of like side quests that they have to each of them. And they're all very uniquely different. And once you get to a certain point, you can shepherd them to the afterlife. They're like, okay, I'm ready. I've come to terms with it. But there's also a relationship meter for each of these characters that's built on things they like or dislike in terms of other characters that are on the boat, uh, how you treat them, and also the food you give them. So you can have distinct relationships with them. Like a tool in your uh, on your playthrough, if you don't necessarily care take that relationship as much, you'll still be able to take them to the afterlife at, at the set point that I did. But his relationship to you might be different, right? And one of the sad things with him specifically is you don't take him to the afterlife. You There's a day-night cycle in the game, and you can sleep on your ship to fast-forward time. And what happens is he tells you he's ready to go to the gate, and the next night you sleep in your bed, and it fast-forwards to the morning, he's gone. He's disappeared. You end up finding out that this is actually a reflection of the real-life thing where Stella's uncle traveled and ended up going missing, and they never found him. So he was just yeah. presumed dead. So it's like they never really got the closure there, right? Because they never found him and he just went missing. So the reflection out in the game and the spirit fair world is that he just disappears and you're never able to guide him there. So Stella doesn't get closure and neither does he. And a lot of these cases with these characters is heartbreaking because, like I've said multiple times, it's just about learning to grieve and learning to come to terms with your own mortality. And a lot of these characters have... <sighs> Things they're upset about that they did in their life, things they wish they had done, and they all act very differently as they get closer to coming to terms with that. Some of them never really find closure, and they're kind of like pissed off when they get to the point where they just want to be taken to the afterlife. Some of them are dealing with mental issues or diseases that they you kind of have to, like you're kind of forced into taking them to the afterlife. It's really good. I would say the core of this game in terms of its strength is the storytelling and the relationships you build. The ship management stuff, it can get a little tedious, if I'm being honest, but it never gets to the point where it's overbearing, where it overtakes the enjoyment from building these relationships with these people. And on top of that, when you go to visit all of these islands and different places to gather resources or talk to people or finish quests, it's a platformer in those aspects. So you're jumping around, you're getting different upgrades to double jump or glide to find new secrets. It's a very deep game, uh, which I didn't expect going in because on the surface, I just thought it was like, okay, you're getting these people on. It's a very narrative driven game where you're talking to these characters and you're just, you know, sailing around the open seas. Um, there's a lot to the game to like. And uh, I, I recommend it to anybody because the storytelling in it is so good. Uh, and, you know, the next game you're going to get into Death's Door deals with the afterlife this one was emotional 
And I wouldn't consider myself an, uh, uh, the type of person that cries at everything, but I'm also not like a very stern, stone individual who doesn't cry. And by the end of this game, I was I was weeping because I was not expecting that layer of the real world or reflection of the people that she built connections to in the real life. I, I was just like, okay, I might get emotional because these characters, I like them and they're animals and yada, yada, yada. But when you see the reflection of it being what she actually went through, uh, it's tough. And then they added an additional DLC after the game released. And the DLC is basically her sister who had to watch her die. That connection between them. Because her sister's still alive, but Stella ended up dying. Which isn't a spoiler. You learn at the beginning of the game. But yeah, it's it's a great game. It's very emotional. Uh, I would recommend it to any, especially you, Dom. I know the kind of games you like. And like I said, you might not fall in love with the, the, the management stuff. I didn't have a problem with it. <clears throat> But I, I think everything else about the game is good enough to have you deal with that. And the cool thing with it, too, is the management is as in-depth and uh, kind of uh, tedious as you want it to be. So you can travel to these other islands and gather resources. But if you're someone like me who's very uh, particular about things, I set up my ship in a way that it kind of just regulated itself or I would get all these resources. I didn't have to really go anywhere. And it's kind of up to you how crazy you want things to be in terms of like automation or uh you know not having to travel to different places i don't know if you have any questions about spirit ferrix i know you've been interested in it and we had talked about it a little bit on discord yeah no i think you're probably right it's probably um it sounds like something i'd be really into especially when um when you mentioned that the, the, the strengths are like yeah the relationships between each of the different characters it's not um and then the, the narrative in general like that um that's a that's a big deal um like I, I like games like that and that can carry even if the gameplay or the moment to moment might not be like the most engaging type of stuff um it sounds like it's like more than serviceable to you know to to bring the story to you and then and those characters and yeah that it sounds it sounds like deep um sounds like, like we just watched this movie actually on netflix that um sounds very similar um I can't remember the title, but I'm going to have to t figure it out and tell you afterwards because <laughs> um, that's not about animals or anything, but it has similar themes about um, like moving out of the afterlife and that kind of thing. But no, I think this will definitely be something um, put it on, on all the on all the wish lists that I have, right, to all the price tracking tools and stuff that I'm always monitoring. So next time I see this on sale, I'll probably, probably grab it because um, I don't think this was... Um, <clears throat> it's not Game yeah. Pass, no. Right, right. And even then, what I'm finding too is like some games are Game Pass, but not everything is Game Pass for PC. PC, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty close. They're pretty similar. But anyway, this this is definitely something. As soon as I see it, an opportunity, to, um, I want to try this out. Yeah, we've talked about it a bit now, and it sounds like right up my alley. So, it's basically like the movie, the Disney's Coco, but with animals. I don't know if you've ever seen Coco, no. the Pixar film. No, uh, that's <laughs> about the afterlife and. Yeah, the strongest part about this game is the characters, and then I would say second to that is the platforming uh, of the levels, and then I would say ship management is definitely third, but I don't think it's... It's not terrible. It's serviceable in the game. I just think that people are going to fall in love with those first two aspects, especially the characters and the narrative, and the ship management will always be the gameplay you have to deal with to get to the parts you really like, if that makes sense, you know? Um but I do think it helps make it feel like a complete experience because without that shit management stuff, I think it wouldn't be as engaging and maybe you would rather 
shift towards maybe watching a let's play on youtube because it is engaging enough for you to want to do the stuff like i said i just don't think it's the strength of spirit fair and looking at their twitter account after i beat the game there's multiple other uh free updates that are coming to it and you can tell they're going to be adding more spirits to the game which is really cool and they're going to be adding other um events so that's one thing i didn't talk about so each character dom has an event you can do that gives you a particular special resource that you can only get for that event and the way it works is when you have that character on your boat whenever a certain thing happens a tool for instance the uncle right whenever you pass through an area that's thunderstorming he has an event you can do where you gather lightning in a bottle uh by lightning shooting down onto your ship and you have to run around and get there in time to catch it right these little neat mini games and when you well for him when he disappears anytime that event pops up again you can activate it it's just it won't be him right and that kind of goes to the bummer of feeling the loss of these characters because you'll need that resource and you go to do the event but you don't have that engagement with that character anymore so it makes you reflect on that of like ah oh, damn like he's not here anymore to get excited about doing this event or this person isn't here to engage in that um it's really I was going to say the word heartwarming, but it's like the opposite of that. Like it really makes you emotionally engaged and it makes you feel as if, you know, life matters in a lot of ways and you need to understand that like there's nothing wrong with being upset about the decisions you made in life, but it's also you have to come to terms with you're just human and people make mistakes, right? And that's one of the themes with that couple I was talking about is the male character at this point, the male lion you can already tell that he understands how how bad he was in that relationship with her and he ends up wanting to go to the afterlife simply because he knows that his presence is bothering her it's just a lot of really interesting dynamics and heartbreaking stuff and yeah as the kids say these days dom it got me in my feels and it probably will to you too I mean, the game has a hug mechanic, and you can go up to any character anytime and hug them. And obviously, with different personalities, that plays differently. Some are like, oh, thank you for the hug. Others are like, no, thank you. Um, I just had a blast with it. I'm glad there's additional content coming. I cannot wait for new spirits to be added. Uh, one of the neat things is the last spirit you get is like a character that sticks with you, and they're really into like Dungeons & Dragons. And okay. their event is really neat because it plays off of Dungeons and Dragons and playing with XP and stuff. And like I said, I don't want to get, I don't want to spoil it too much for you, but they did a great job with it. Thunder Lotus is a developer. I believe it's currently like 20 bucks. In my opinion, it's definitely worth that on sale. Very clearly worth that. Um, but yeah, check out Spirit Fair if you haven't. Um, incredible game. Love it. Next up, get to my second game. And uh, what were you going to say? No, nothing. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, next up is my second game. Dom, I know you've played around with it a little bit, and this one is one I definitely want to avoid spoilers for. Death's Door. This is a game that we had highlighted off of E3. Incredible-looking Zelda meets Souls-like game with the little crow. You're working for this agency where you have to go and gather spirits. Crows are the only ones that don't die, so therefore you're tasked with going out and capturing the spirits of creatures and entities that are dying. Uh, you know, the hub world where you talk to other crows and it's very sterile business-like uh, aesthetic where it's black and white. And then when you go into the regular worlds, they're full color, beautiful designs. Each world feels distinctly its own. Um, so like that, that hub world, by the way, um, it's really simple, but it's, it's so cool. Like 
and there's a couple other characters you can talk to and like some of them are just typing away and it's like it's so cool like just it, that's like up there and like one of the, some of the cooler hub worlds or whatever where the subject matter is like it's so serious like you're talking about like this is this business of crows like baby basically reaping people or whatever like killing people or moving them to the afterlife or whatever but yet it's like this cute little hub world and everyone's got their little typewriters and just kind of poking away with their little i don't know it's just well, something about it was really cool to me the moment you get to that first level to get your first spirit and you see the little like green flower guys that follow you around just so adorable so cute mm -hmm. and it juxtaposes that very serious sterile tone of that hub world and the world building that you do automatically is super cool like you get into the game and it just is cool like it's hard to describe it just having the floating doors in the background with it kind of you know gradiently like fading out and being a little bit um out of focus in in the way that it is really lends itself to it feeling like you're kind of on your heels you don't know exactly what's going on and then what happens is you defeat your first boss it's kind of the boss where you learn the mechanics of and this is one thing i want to talk about real quick is one of my favorite parts of this game dom is the visual language of this game in that every boss doesn't have a health bar at all you're not looking at a health bar to deteriorate this boss's life to zero it's visual feedback so the more damage you do to a boss the more their body starts cracking with this like neon pink in their in their their body coming out from their body this light which is you know lore wise it seems to be their spirit and obviously as you get closer and closer to defeating the boss it's just cracked completely and i think it lends itself to the difficulty in the game in a way don because you never know exactly how close you are to defeating the boss you're like maybe it's one hit maybe it's three i don't know so it's that risk reward system of do i just risk it and just go ham take a couple of hits and just see if i can finish off this boss or this enemy how do you feel about that visual feedback of not having that bar underneath or having to worry about that it looks really cool and it works well with what it's doing where it's like yeah it's really ambiguous and you're not sure until eventually you start to see like some small cracks right um but it's still it's just the slightest indication of you're in this sort of range um and so yeah it, it makes you play differently it's not like um you know sometimes in, in in dark souls for example like you might go for that last hit when you can see like oh the boss has exactly one hit's worth of health left right you might take a risk um but here it's like you're probably gonna play more conservatively because you don't know exactly how many hits are left. I'm kind of, I like the way that it looks and like it's different. I can definitely appreciate that. Um, but maybe it's just because in general, a lot of the bosses just, they're so spongy and just take so many hits, um, which kind of goes into the, the only other thing that I don't even think it's a criticism necessarily, but just something worth pointing out is like your upgrades, at least so far for me, have been like kind of slow to you know there's good upgrades of like roll faster hit harder um that kind of stuff and they're just few and far between uh so far which maybe is playing into like why does this boss feels like it's taken 200 hits but also maybe that's just because there's no health bar it feels like 200 hits and it's actually less i don't know but yeah and i, I, do I don't think, think these that... are bad things it's just observations i guess yeah and i do think the comparison to legend of zelda in that instance kind of hurts it in a sense because people are used to getting those hard upgrades at a certain level even with mm. hell the souls games right of the rpg systems of leveling up at a rather steady pace i just think that isn't 
this developer's MO in terms of the way they design. Like even with Titan Souls, yeah. right? Titan Souls wasn't focused on upgrading. It was focused on getting better at the game and getting very good at the core mechanics of it. And I think that with Death Store, they added in that layer of leveling up. So it feels more like a complete package. But I don't think it's a game where you should be focusing on the upgrades necessarily as much as you do. Uh, I think it's played best if you, you know, whenever you get sent back to the hub world, you're like, oh, what could I spend it on? Then you realize how much you have to spend and you do it that way. As opposed to, I found the times I was enjoying it the least was when I was like, okay, if I kill X amount of enemies, I just need five more points. I have exactly enough. I go back and I upgrade, right? I think that's when I wasn't enjoying myself because I was solely focused on gathering that currency as opposed to just, you know, exploring the game. Because for me, yeah. I never had a point in the game where it was overtly difficult to the point where I felt I needed to upgrade. Um, I just never felt that. The game is punishing. The game is tough. But in the same way, it's not necessarily because you don't lose anything on death. It's not a Souls-like in that fashion. Um, so it does walk this fine line of being difficult enough to be frustrating. But it has that, ah, just one more time. I'll get it this time. I'll get it this time because you're always that close. And that's, yeah. I think, where the visual feedback kind of helps it in a sense, though, Dom, is because if you had that health bar and you die and you know you weren't close to killing it, that's a bit of a bummer. But if you see a lot of pink and you don't know it's actually a lot of pink and you die to it, you're like, oh, so close. And who knows? Maybe you weren't close at all, right? But in your mind, you're like, oh, so close. And maybe that builds the confidence in you to continue fighting it. Um, I want to mention another criticism which I wholeheartedly disagree with, but I have seen it as a criticism of this game, which is some people feel it's a little bit obtuse in its design in terms of not having a mini-map um, where people get lost. I didn't mm. really ever feel that. I, the game isn't so open that you're going right. to get lost. The game also, in terms of length, it's like a six-hour experience to eight-hour experience on average. I don't think it's as long for you to forget where you've been or forget stuff. And honestly, I think the reason people got lost is I don't think people are giving this game enough credit when it comes to the narrative and the dialogue where they're not paying attention. Because the moment that giant crow tells you to go kill the three souls, he points out what direction relatively you need to go. And he kind of explains that you need to come back here to go face all of these souls, right? This is like the secondary hub. There's the hub world where you upgrade, the sterile business place, but then uh, the cemetery, right? The lost cemetery, I believe is what it's called, is like the gameplay hub where it's kind of branches off into everything. It's the, uh, what's the starting area in the first Dark Souls? Firelink Shrine, or the... Yeah, it's the, it's the Firelink Shrine of Death's Door, essentially, uh, where you split off to go in different directions to do stuff. I never felt lost. I never felt it was obtuse. In terms of level design, it, it's great, because it does do the Souls thing of, hey, you know, this actually loops around and unlocks a checkpoint and an open area for you to get here. Um, I do like in the way Zelda does this, Dom, because uh, Zelda obviously has some loose Metroidvania elements of, like, you see a thing, oh, I can't get there, you get an upgrade later, an item, right? And then you can actually access that point to get something in there, a heart piece or whatever. If this game does that too, where it'll let you, there's some areas where, say you get the firepower, right? Oh, I'll be able to get through this area with the firepower. Oh, the secondary area needs this other upgrade to get through here. Let me mm -hmm. check mark that in my mind. When I get that thing, I can come back and do that. Um, one thing you don't know about yet, and this isn't a spoiler, but it's really cool, is that each of the four upgrades you have, you know, the top left where you have the bow 
and you're at the you just beat the grandma right the ur, at the urn yeah. the witch urn uh so you have the firepower right mm-hmm. so there's four upgrades you have in the game don't i'm not going to spoil the other two but all four of them their main upgrade you get for them to make them stronger is a boss fight you find in the world that's in like a secret area and each one has its own boss and you have to defeat it in its own little separate arena which i think is pretty cool um and that is different than the upgrades we were talking about. The upgrades Dominic were talking about earlier are for like attack damage, mm-hmm. movement speed, magic damage, and what's the other one? Like it's like uh, stamina. Speed. Yeah, and then uh, there's the two main upgrade paths for your health and your magic. Your the amount of times you could use your secondary ability, and those ones are found like at these upgrade shrines, which are much more difficult than the points you acquire. I had a blast with the game. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Dom is one third of the way through. So I'm actually curious to get your impression since you haven't finished it yet. Uh, for me, it's probably thinking of everything I've played and keep in mind, I don't have a PS five, so I didn't play ratchet. I didn't play returnal. My list for 2021 is a lot more barren than a lot of people's. It's probably up there right now as my game of the year. Obviously we're heading into the heavy section of release dates for video games coming up in 2021. So who knows it will change. It might not. Uh, but I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm close to getting the final achievement, which requires you to play through the entire game with that umbrella a bit tough. Um, but yeah, I, I love this game. I think this is a great natural evolution for the developers and the name's escaping me right now. Uh, the Titan Souls devs. What mm-hmm. is it? Is there a V um, in there? Let me, let me pull it up real quick. Cause I want to give them the credit for this game that they developed. Death's door. I should have come correct with it already on me. Uh, acid nerve. I knew it was something with an A. Acid Nerve. Yeah, this is great. Ah, there's a V in there, too. And they've earned my trust to the point we talked about this with Play Dead before on the podcast, Dom. Everything in me wants them to do a follow-up sequel to this game. But in the same time, if they were able to make the jump from Titan Souls to this, if they were to do something completely different and kind of evolve again, I'd be pretty stoked about whatever that is. Um Death Store on its own is a you know a self-contained story enough that I'd be fine if nothing ever existed in it. But like we talked about with the world building from the jump, as the game goes on, all the stuff you learn, I just want to hop back into this world again for a brand new experience. And uh, we'll see what happens. But for you, somebody who's only relatively one-fourth to one-third through the game, outside of your criticisms, what are some things you want to point out? Maybe stuff I missed or you know things you're really enjoying? Yeah, I think one one additional big thing so far is the the characters and the conversations are funny and like charming and cool um yeah not just with those initial crows that we talked about in the hub world but um you meet a character who um you know has a pot for a head and thus they introduce him and it's just, i guess i won't spoil it if you can't figure it out already but anyway uh, that's the thing uh, with the real quick i want to chime in the character intros the stylized way they do it is yes. really cool i so really cool. like that <laughs> yeah yeah um and just all the characters like they say the weirdest like goofiest shit and it's pretty funny and you're just like i just like found myself like oh my goodness <laughs> um even like after that first boss they're not the first one but the the grandma right the the witch um they have a, a bit of a f- funeral for her and it's <laughs> Without spoiling all the everything about it, it's pretty funny, like what the characters say about her and stuff. Um, and like, and and then her story itself was actually kind of sad in a, in a sense. But so yeah, all the 
the story and the the dialogue I've seen so far is like like really engaging, and I, I've liked that too. Um, but then, yeah, I'd agree with everything you said. Like the combat is it's not really. I don't really even want to call it like overly hard because it it's just kind of takes like a second or two of learning a, a rhythm, and then like it kind of it builds so far it's building but it, it's not it's not overly difficult it is like um like you said it's not something where a bunch of grinding is going to help you you kind of just have to learn it's like um, the perfect amount of simple like simplistic design yeah yeah it's kind of, i guess it's hard to explain now that i try but it is like simple yet yet not um it, it's really it's really well done and then of course like the art style and the world itself like it just looks so nice and it feels so cool to look around in um i also had zero problem navigating thus far because it's it's not a huge it's small and there's there's even signs of like because yeah that that larger crow says oh you should go to the witch's house first okay and he says east or something and they're like oh shoot i think this way is east go in that direction did you ever sign and did you ever accidentally cut one of the wooden signs yeah, and then it cuts the text in half. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. funny. That got me because I didn't mean to do it, and then I was like, "Oh crap! Now I can't read this anymore." I just had to kind of in, uh, insinuate. But yeah, that was a neat touch. Um, but this game is awesome, and out of what's come out this year, favorite, my favorite thing I've played, I think easily. I've not played Returnal either, but um, yeah, and, and there's a lot more coming this fall too, of course. But yeah, I'm I'm adoring this so far. And, uh, yeah, there's, it's just fun. And I, I'm to your point of what, what they might do next, like, like keep th- thinking about Returnal, like keep making it bigger, maybe take those same concepts and make it bigger. And then maybe you make the next, you know, the next Dark Souls, basically. Um, that might be cool. I would certainly trust them at this point. So I think their next game, they're going to get a big paycheck from somebody. Like, somebody's going to back the project because of how... Yeah. Like, Titan Souls was very successful, but on a very, I think, micro scale. Death's mm-hmm. Door seems to be, like, their actual, like, coming out party in a major way. Um, and, you know, it's funny. When you look at the style of this game and you play it, to me, as much as people love, you know, Salt and Sanctuary or what's the other 2D Souls-like game that people really liked? Uh, Hollow Knight? Blasphemous? Or- Blasphemous. Blasphemous. I'm taking the ones with like the really close Souls-like aesthetic. Like, Hollow Knight is very Souls-like, but it's very much its own thing in terms of its visuals. This mm. game, outside of the Crows, when you're playing in these levels, it's what I would imagine like a, an indie Souls game would look like. If you're like, hey, what would you know? Imagine what an indie Souls game would look like. It's this. A lot of the aesthetics are the same. There's a lot of nods to Souls. I mean, hell. You come across one of the buildings near that giant crow that you can't access that's like locked off. And on the top, it's like a it's a turquoise bell, which is like almost the same thing as like the first Dark Souls in you after you defeat the gargoyles. There's a lot of really cool nods in there. Um I'm glad that I enjoyed it as much as I did. We you know, in a world post cyberpunk Dom, it's the hype meter for things that you're excited for could, you know, as they said in the MCU, it, your your joy turned to ash in your mouth, right? It's like you're so excited for something, something comes out and it just doesn't live up to it. And it's one thing for a game to be like mediocre, but then it's another thing for it to just be unplayable or broken or bad, right? And I think for the developer's sake, we as a community of gamers have to do a better job of like, celebrating games that 
met or exceeded expectations because that isn't a given. Even look at look at CD Projekt Red, a developer on top of the world, trusted by everybody. No chance Cyberpunk doesn't come out and do great things. And then we come to find out that everything wasn't great behind the scenes and it releases and it doesn't meet those expectations. So it isn't a given. Like even your most beloved studios could have issues that you don't know about and a game could come out and not meet your expectations, right? So it's just dope that we saw this game at E3. People got excited and it came out and delivered. Um, I don't know if it'll be in Game of the Year discussions like overall when we get to like the Game Awards and stuff just because we have an onslaught. But I do think it's almost a shoe in to be one of the top nominees for Indie Game of the Year. I think that's almost guaranteed. I don't know if anything is going to come. Like, I don't think five indie games are going to come up by the end of the year and overtake this. I think this is going to be in I the mean, conversation no matter what. What are five games in general that could be better than this this year? Halo? There's Halo. Returnal. Maybe Ratchet. Re- Returnal, Ratchet. Horizon got pushed. Forza, but racing games don't get game of the year consideration. Uh, it's like Battlefield won't get it because shooters don't do that unless it's like something on a grand scale like Halo, right? Uh, Far, Far Cry won't. I think at best Far Cry is like an 8, so I doubt that. Um, I'm looking at a list of video game releases. Uh, I kind of want to get into this afterwards. Is there any other things you played in our time off that you wanted to mention before we move on? Actually, yeah. A couple well, I already talked a lot about Persona, so I'll, I'll skip that for now. But um, okay, <laughs> that, that, that could be an entire year's worth of a podcast to talk about that <laughs> game. It's, yeah, it's great. By the way, that's I'll just leave it at that. But I also um, I'm just about done with a, a, a Switch game that I grabbed for like three dollars called Blossom Tales. Um, well, I've heard <clears throat> the name, but I'm not familiar. It's a couple of years old at this point, actually, and it's basically a link to the past you know a clone of that uh but a smaller scale and okay it and it knows that's what it's doing and it, and it you know kind of like we just talked about with that story it points out and makes little jokes about it um what it's you know inspired from and, and it's basically that it's just a, a top-down 2d you know zelda-like game um the the neat twist on it is the narrator is a grandfather telling the story to his two granddaughters and so that's how the you know the premise is set up. That's how the game starts, and then throughout all the um, exposition is you know grandpa, and then it gives the text of how it goes. And then even throughout the game, sometimes you'll you'll open up a new pa- panel of the screen, right, and then it'll start doing some dialogue, and then the grandpa will say, and then Lily found a big, and then one of the little kids will interrupt, house made of candy, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> it appears on the screen, right? Because they're telling the story as it happens. And the other little kid will be like, no, it was a, a, a laboratory or something. I'm making this up at this point. Um, and then it would change right on screen to something else, um, it, which is like, it's been funny. And there's a couple times it's done that so far, which is really cute, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, not too much to write home about. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. But I've, I've been having a, you know, it's a nice little bit of fun, pretty easy. Um, it actually does one thing better than any Zelda game so far, which is the currency actually has meaning. Because um, <laughs> that's like the one thing every Zelda game kind of like, is like, what's the point of all these coins? It's like, you can buy a couple upgrades maybe, but like, you're pretty, games are easy enough usually that you don't need to be buying fairies and health potions or whatever else. And so like in this game, they actually do a better job of making the, the money, you know, matter more. There's different upgrades. Um, and different side quests that you 
need money for and it's constantly a resource that actually you know means something so that's actually one thing it's done better than um the other zelda games so but yeah i just want some screenshots and what you said i think the best thing this game has going for it is like it knows what it is like it's not trying to be something else like it knows the nostalgia play it's making for people um Mm -hmm. it looks charming like it looks like i the moment you said what it was i kind of had a mental image and it meets that it's like yeah this is this is what it is. It's classic Zelda. That's cool. Glad you're yeah. enjoying and it. it. And it's small. I'm like just at the end now, and I think it's been like three, four hours or something. So it's you know, like three or four. No, four. The, the I'm sorry, on the fourth dungeon now, and they're pretty straightforward. It's it's like you said. It is. It knows what it is and what it's doing. But I had a nice little time with it. It's kind of really happy. It has a subtitle, so I wonder if they're working on a sequel to it or something. So it's called yeah, the full I mean, title. of The game is called Blossom Tales: The Sleeping King. Mm-hmm. So, um, or maybe this is a different game than one you put. No, it is the same one. That's it. And yeah. looking at its reviews, when it came out, it's hovering in the 80s on both Open Critic and Metacritic. So I think that's really good for a game like this, where it's you know just trying to be a classic experience people are yearning for. Slightly different, but obviously a lot of those same nostalgia plays why people fell in love with classic Zelda. That's cool. It was also, <clears throat> it also came out I, I believe like first on Switch. Maybe it was on PC before, but. And it was when, like, I believe in the Switch's first year, when there was, everyone was looking for stuff to buy on their Switch. So I think it probably benefited from that a little bit. Yeah, March 28th, 2017. So it was, like, right there. right at release. release. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I knew I had that memory, but um, that's that's really been it. I haven't, I didn't play any of Infinite myself, but I did watch quite a bit of uh, Andy Cortez in the Halo tech event or whatever. And um, man, it was like, it's so simple. It's like, you know, two maps or whatever and like bots and like limited guns, no vehicles. So it's like the most scaled down like tech demo basically of a, of a beta, whatever they're calling it yet. It looked really good. It looks like so much fun. Oh, and like, I know so, <laughs> just watching. I'm like, Oh, this looks satisfying as shit. Like, Oh, I got like an itch. Like I was, 13 again and i want to play halo all of a sudden it's man it really feels like that experience when you think about a you know you think about playing classic halo 2 and in your memory it's like oh yeah it's modern it'll fit right and i can go back and play it it fits in with you know modern call of duty or all this stuff and you actually go back and play it and it's not that it's slower just doesn't feel like a modern video game for as much as we love it and we are probably more forgiving of it because of the nostalgia play this Halo Infinite feels like what you remember Halo 2 or Halo 3 feeling like on top of the fact that it has those modern additions of sprinting, which is huge. You need that in a modern FPS. And then the aim down sights, which is something people take for granted. It just looks incredible. They did a very good job of breadcrumbing it where they started off where you were playing average bots. Then they added the ODST bots. Then they added the Spartan yes. bots. And then for like a two-hour gap, they added 4v4 PvP Slayer. Get people just a little taste of what it's like to play. And they killed it. Um, mm-hmm. I do think there's still concern about the campaign, considering we haven't seen a whole lot of it. And not concern whether... I mean, who knows if it'll be good or bad. But concern is like, is it launching as a complete package? Because now with all this hype built around the multiplayer... And it being free to play, they could split it off and do Halo multiplayer this fall and then hold off that campaign. I hope they don't do that, and my gut tells me they won't. But if it comes out that that is the case, I wouldn't be that surprised. 
Um, but I'm with you. I watched so much of it, and God, I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Especially in a time currently where it's tough to play Warzone or any Call of Duty based on not only the Activision Blizzard stuff that's happening from a moral perspective. We can't expect everybody to have that same moral outlook on not playing Activision Blizzard games. But in the same sense, I don't know how you're how familiar you are, Dom, with the state of Warzone as a game itself separated from that. No, All of the top streamers on. are kind of moving on. Uh, Nick Merckx, who's like the number one Warzone streamer, has recently started playing Apex Legends a bunch. Tim the Tatman, a lot of these big streamers who were Warzone was their jam. Call of Duty, you know how big Call of Duty is. They're one of the only major first-person shooters without a <clears throat> built-in anti-cheat in their game. Think about that. As much money and resources as Activision has, they've never put an anti-cheat into Call of Duty. So what's happening is, it happens to regular players like me where you run into cheaters. But then go out, not only when you're playing a game by yourself, but you're streaming to millions of, well, you know, at a time, thousands of people, and you're getting stream sniped, right? So not only are you dealing with people getting into your queue, hunting you down, and trying to kill you purposely with stream sniping, which is annoying in and of itself, not really something developers can handle that well. It's kind of like something you have to deal with as a streamer. On top of, you have stream snipers who are cheating, hunting you down, who are being able to shoot through walls or have aimbots or all of this stuff, on top of just general cheaters who aren't even stream sniping you they have to deal with, right? And all of that stuff builds a playing environment that doesn't feel good. And these streamers have been complaining for a year and some change since Warzone first came out, and Call of Duty hasn't done anything to really fix that. On top of the fact, Dom, and this is something I talked to you about, a concern with Warzone, where's a new map? Like, it's been over a year, and I understand... Fortnite's a different beast, and they update their map and change it all the time. But if you want to stay relevant in the modern age, especially with Battle Royales, you have to have something refreshing and new. And the refresh they had at the beginning of this year added new points of interest on the current map, Dom. So, like, a construction area actually turned into a fully built building, or a farm area turned into something else, right? So there were subtle changes around the map, but the map itself, its overall layout and most of its geography didn't change. And all of this stuff, in addition to the Activision Blizzard stuff, has culminated in people just moving on from the game. Uh, I currently don't play Warzone because of the moral standpoint I have. I just don't feel comfortable doing it. I've been playing Apex, having a good time. But looking down the end of the year, we have Battlefield coming out, which that has all of its own concerns, being 60 and only multiplayer only. Well, 70. And then Halo coming out free. If there's any, If there's any time for Halo to strike and hit the ground running, it coming out free to play this fall with everything surrounding Call of Duty, with Battlefield being weird. It this Halo could be in a tremendous place by the end of this year, and I'm excited. I'm so sorry. Yeah, the, the fun, or I don't want to say funny, whatever. The other weird thing to think about is it's now August, and we don't know anything about the annual Call of Duty game. And now, it are, like it's already like, why is it taking this long for them to announce it? But now it's like, well, they definitely can't announce it now. They got to let some of this fucking sh some of their problems blow over as best they can before they want to try to you know market a new game which is conversation in and of itself but it's kind of how does that play into that conversation where does that fit into this into this landscape of this game we don't know really much about that's supposed to come out probably in a couple months <laughs> well and then the domino right of like from everything phil said i would put money on the moment we get the call of duty release date within 48 hours we get halo's release date Oh, because yeah. they've kind of been yeah. firm on that of just waiting for that. And with Call of Duty, who knows if they make a giant announcement? Because from what we've heard, they might announce the game in Warzone. But at that same point, if 
the top streamers in the world aren't playing your game. That's the whole point of doing it in the game, right? Is so people are watching these streamers and they announce a new Call of Duty and that's how you build hype. But if all of these streamers aren't playing your game right now, then an in-game event is kind of, I mean, it won't be pointless necessary, necessarily, but it's not going to have the same, like, energy to it as you would normally have. They're just in a weird place, deservedly so they've kind of earned that. The publisher, not the developers. Um, but yeah, it's it's very weird. We were talking about what could take over Death Store in terms of game of the year. So let's let's talk about some of the games that are coming for the rest of the year since we're entering this fray real quick. We won't spend too much time on it. Uh, August is pretty huge, especially if you're an Xbox gamer. We got Hades making its way over on the 13th, which I'm excited for. I finally got to play Hades. Uh, Road 96, which is that indie game that's like uh, alternate narrative paths, depending on what you choose. Um, that comes out on the 16th. 12 minutes on the 19th. Game Pass, baby. That game looks so good. That's a game of the year contender, I think, Dom, for sure. Good point. Forgot um, about that one. Especially with the uh, the actors that are in that game. Uh, Going to be dope. Madden 22 on the 20th. Kena Bridge of Spirits on the 24th, which oh, yeah. that game can go either way with it being the you know a, a film studio's first game. I think the animation in that game is going to be top-notch, and I think maybe even the storytelling will be good. How is that gameplay going to be, you know? And right. where does it land on the spectrum comparing against something like Spiritfarer, where I talked about how that ship gameplay stuff is kind of the weakness of it. I wouldn't be surprised if with Kena, the gameplay is the weakest part of it because of the background of the developers. And this might be a learning thing for them. Maybe Kena 2 nails more of the gameplay. But I would be surprised if this game doesn't nail the emotional storytelling because it seems like they have that kind of locked in at this point. Plus, I, um, keep, I keep pointing it out, but like it's like a $40 game. So Yeah, budget I maybe. Mean, not that that's bad, but it's like we, we should keep that in mind when we're like exactly you know, grading exactly. the scope of the game. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, if it were to come out at 70 and it missed some of those marks or if it was a five-hour game, that's different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about price doesn't dictate the quality of a game, but from a consumer perspective, it can change judgment or critical perception in relation to how the game is based on its price. Very weird amalgus conversation to have there. Uh, the day after Akina... That week, uh, you know, your sports boys are getting mad in 22. PlayStation gamers are getting Kena. And on the 25th, Xbox is getting Psychonauts 2, which I think could be a game of the year contender. I want to play Psychonauts 1 before it comes out. And then two days later, Switch boys are getting, and girls, are getting No More Heroes 3. So that week, PlayStation's getting exclusive, uh, Xbox is getting exclusive, and Nintendo. So that's really cool. Uh, the 27th is Baldo, which is, I think, like a Zelda-like oh, yeah. game, right, that people are yes. excited about with really cool I've, art I've been watching some gameplay of this recently, actually, because something caught my eye, and I was like, oh, I want to see more, and it looks really cool. It does, like, a Studio Ghibli um, kind of art style. Um, yeah, so I'm curious to see how this one shakes out. And then four days later, the last day of August, we have the Big Con, which is, like, 90s uh, side-scrolling indie game. It's very much, like... An episode of Fresh Prince meets Doug meets Rocco's Modern Life and Aesthetic. A lot of different colored triangles with yellow backgrounds. You get that vibe of the 90s. It looks cool. Um, I think that's Game Pass too. Curious to see how the gameplay is and how it shakes out. Uh, speaking of Game Pass, September 1st, Lake, which is that really neat indie game where you're the woman that's a mail delivery driver and you seems like you you know learn stories about the people you deliver mail to, which looks cool. Uh, the fourth, you got NBA. The sequel. Uh huh. Oh yeah, it's delivering like stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing I don't have marked down is the Death Stranding Director's Edition, but you can look that up if you're interested. Uh, remaster. So. Yeah. 
uh, NBA 2K22 on the 4th, uh, Fist, which is that PlayStation game where you're like a rabbit in a mech suit. Uh, I forget what the acronym stands for. Artful Escape on the 9th. Do you remember this one? We've seen it at a couple of Xbox shows. It's like the very colorful music one where the guy's playing the guitar. It's a side-scroller, like okay. psychedelic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this one might be a game of the contender for us, too. Uh, I don't know if you're hopping into this, because I know you haven't played the first two Life is Strange games, but Life is Strange True Colors mm-hmm. That's coming right. out on the yeah. 10th. Well, now uh, that we know there's a, a remaster of the original two coming, then uh, that'll be my opportunity. I think no more weird pieces. that it's releasing 20 days after, right? Cause life is strange. Two colors comes out on the 10th. The remaster comes out on the 30th. Uh, we got, I'm going to go through some of these quickly. WarioWare, get it together on the 10th tales of arise. I know tales fans are excited about that one. A brand new tales game, uh, lost in random, which is the Tim Burton dice RPG game with the girl. It's a claymation. looks like a Tim Burton movie. Um, Skatebird, neat little indie game. People love you're a bird skating. Um, it's like, you know, the guy from Death Store took a break when he, you know, played some Tony Hawk's Underground and wanted to get his skate on. Uh, another game of the year contender we forgot about, Deathloop, on the 21st of September, my birthday. Uh, hopefully people enjoy that. Once again, I think that we've mentioned this. I think that game could get a 90 or high 80s, but I also think it could be get low 80s. I'm very curious to see how that reviews with the, mm-hmm. uh, the multiplayer and all that. Uh, 23rd, Game Pass getting another release, Sable. Which is that destiny looking with the you know specific art style uh hero's journey where you're going on a pilgrimage as this character um very like voxel inspired uh art uh Diablo two resurrected who cares screw Activision uh, lost judgment, which is a sequel to judgment I also want to throw in I hate that the word judgment doesn't have an e uh an e after the g in it oh, that's never right. made any damn sense to me <laughs> uh we mentioned Life is Strange Remastered on the 30th. If you haven't played uh, Life is Stranger before the storm, get this remaster. It's going to be the best way to play these games. And, you know, play these, play Tell Me Why, and then play True Colors. I love these type of games. They're very unique to what they do, and I'm just glad they exist and we need to support them. I was thinking about Tell Me Why the other day, and I love that. I really like that game. Um, I like how we played it, too, like a book club. It was pretty fun. Yeah, it was a cool experience at the same time uh next up one a game i don't remember uh astria ascending is coming out on the 30th i can't place that in my mind i know people are excited for it but i just the name escapes me uh the 30th that really cool arcade uh racer hot wheels unleashed which looks way better than oh. it has any right yes that looking. actually looks really cool yeah yeah <laughs> and th- we got the big boy month here for video games october the 7th far cry 6 the 8th uh metroid dread which could be a sneaky oh, game yeah. of the year contender, depending that on how good be, it is. Yeah. Uh, Back for Blood comes out on the 12th, which I think a beta is currently be. going as we're recording this on August 5th. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Little to the Left, which was that indie game of the woman painting, but across the road, th- there's an old man in the other window, and it seems like you're just going to watch this old man die of loneliness. <laughs> it looks super sad. Actually, no, that's a different game. A little to the left is the OCD one where you have to like rearrange pencils in an order and do all of that like OCD stuff. It's like a mini game based game. The one I'm thinking of is called something else. Uh, we saw it like six times at, during uh, E3. Battlefield 2042, uh, going to be interesting to see how that plays out without a single player. We talked about this when it was initially announced, Dom. None of my friends are interested in buying this because they can't justify $70 for a multiplayer only game. And I get that. It's just, it's going to be an uphill climb. And 
it would be so good if this game entered day and day in Game Pass. I just, it's going to have a tough time competing with Halo and Call of Duty, and I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. Because mm-hmm. Battlefield's always had this issue where even the multiplayer can be good. It just doesn't sell because it's just, I don't know, they make weird decisions. Uh, House of Ashes, the 22nd, the next uh, Dark Pictures anthology, which looks really know. cool. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which uh, our friend of the show, Chris Noons, shared a cinematic video for that game, and I am so excited. Uh, just like with Hot Wheels Unleashed, this game has no right looking as good as it does, and I'm excited for it. And it's going to answer that question of if Avengers was just narrative-focused single-player, would it be any good? And we'll see what happens with Guardians. I have a lot of faith in it, but who knows? We'll see if it meets that. Uh, Solar Ash coming out on the 26th, which is a, is a spiritual sequel to... What's the game Andy Cortez from Kind of Funny always talks about? Hyper Light Drifter. Excellent. Same studio. Yeah. Same, I haven't, I've yet to play it. Uh, same studio, though. Uh, working on this, it's it feels very much like Pathless, that PS5 game that came out. It's all about movement, right? Kinetic energy moving forward. Uh, the 28th, a game that I didn't realize got delayed from September, Riders Republic. Uh, this is the multi massive multiplayer, you know, action sports game where you're riding uh, four wheelers and bikes and all that stuff. Uh, Age of Empires 4 comes out on the 28th. This is a game, I grew up playing Age of Empires, and thank God for Game Pass, because I'm going to download this when it comes out and dabble in it and get a bit of a nostalgic kick. Um, and I wonder if it'll do what people, Age of Empires people, want it to do, Dom. So I don't think they're expecting anything drastic from it, but I hope it meets expectations, because this is going to be the first Age of Empires in like 15, 20 years, right? I think. It's been a while. That sounds right. You know, They've been, they remastered. Excluding the remasters. Them, yeah, yeah, excluding yeah. the remasters, like a new... Age of Empires. Uh, I know a game you're excited for on the 29th, Mario Party Superstars. Fuck Hopefully yes, this absolutely. is the the Mario Party game on Switch that fixes all of the mistakes of its uh, dead brother. <laughs> um, November, uh, this is a good month for me too. Not because Just Dance comes out on the 4th, but we get Forza Horizon 5 on the 9th, which Playground Games, we know it's going to be incredible. They are the king of the racing game uh, at, in the modern era. Uh, for all of the weebs out there, Shimagami Tensei 5 is coming out on the 12th. Good luck to them. That game looks like a PSP port. I don't understand how Persona was the spinoff, and now Persona looks like the main game, and Shimagami Tensei looks like the spinoff. And then on the 19th, baby, we're getting that Gen 4 remake, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Cannot wait. Super stoked for that. Um, and then December, we have Advance Wars remake, which I'm super excited for. And then a game that I don't think is coming out, and I think it gets delayed, Dying Light 2. A game everyone is forgetting about, because, yeah. 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 So, those are the releases for the rest of the year. Some really cool Game of the Year contenders. Uh, I'm in- interested to see how it shakes out. It's going to be very odd to see what ends up rising to the top. And I wonder... The thing that pisses me off sometimes, Dom, is people don't give Sekiro the credit it deserves when it won game of the year because like oh yeah it wasn't a great year it's like true you can make the argument that there wasn't a whole lot of like a plus tier games that came out but it doesn't discredit how incredible Sekiro was right like Sekiro would be game of the year in all but I don't know a couple years in existence it was so it was that freaking good it was excellent yeah, it's like uh, the criticism LeBron had for a while where he played in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. People are like, yeah, but a lot of those other teams suck. It's like, 
He got drafted by the Cavaliers. It's not his fault that other co- teams in that conference can't like get players. It's not his. You know what I mean? Plus, you end up playing the best team from the West in the end. So in the like... finals, exactly. Exactly. That's my. Uh, I, I always have to go a little anti-LeBron slander whenever I get the opportunity to. Um, but on a side note, away from video games, football's coming back, Dom. I can't wait. It's my favorite time oh, of the year. Me too. I love it. Cannot wait. Uh, but that's it for the first time in a while. Thank you guys for listening. We're on YouTube at Controlled Interest, Twitter, Controlled Interest. It's abbreviated C-T-R-L-I-N-T. Individually, Dom is at Dom's Oreos, correct? I don't think you've changed your username. I have. What is it? Now I'm at Obi-Dom Kenobi. Obi-Dom Kenobi. I knew you were switching your PSN. I wasn't sure if it was your Twitter, too, so I wanted to make sure. Uh, I need to update the description, too. Don't let me forget. I'm at Jared Weich, I believe. I always forget. Yeah, I always forget if I still have the underscore, the dreaded underscore. I will be back next week. We're going to be on a regular schedule. Uh, for those who care to know, I just had to deal with real life stuff for a bit. So, but we're back on track. We're going to be back every week, hopefully, or as often as we can be, as normal. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining me again, Dom. Hopefully, we get all of our dreams answered this fall with all of the games we're hyped for. Hopefully, they meet our expectations. And uh, God, I cannot wait for Halo, man. Oh, I cannot wait. It looks excellent. (laughs) Catch you guys next time. Bye.